Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. We have a short time on this earth. You know, we're, it's not infinite. So I think, you know, 2020 is going to be a massive year of growth for us. I don't want to steal, you know, Grant Cardone's 10x line. You know, I don't know if it would be, you know, a 10x multiple, but we think it's going to be a multiple of growth. And then use that not only as a multiple of growth for us as a company and a team, but also as a multiple of growth to give back so we can truly kind of, you know, make a difference in as many lives as possible with our work. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. Hey, 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 it's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. My name is V Koo, and you're now listening to my show, The Real Estate Lab Podcast. Hey, it's the third day of the Lunar New Year, the year of the rat. As I've shared with you on the first episode of my podcast, I'm Chinese. So while you're listening to this episode, I'm enjoying all the festivity, all the celebration going on with the new year. Alright, enough with the New Year greeting. Let me share with you about our guest for this episode. He is the lead asset manager of Town Center Partners. He has worked in litigation cases reaching over $9.5 billion in recovery, managed a portfolio of over $520 million in real estate assets at the previous firms. Our guest today received a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Management from NSU, an MBA from Ashworth, JD from FAMU College of Law, and LLM from Loyola University of Chicago School of Law. He holds multiple real estate licenses in Florida, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and also holds a CCIM designation. He's also Florida's Supreme Court Certified Family, County, Circuit Appellate, Mediator, and Florida's Qualified Arbitrator. He's going to share with us about a concept called litigation financing today. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Roni Elias. It's a totally foreign concept to me at first. What is it? Why should you care? Well, you will find out soon enough from this episode. If you want to meet Roni live in person, you should go to the best ever conference in Keystone, Colorado from February 20th through 22nd of 2020. He will be a speaker among an awesome speaker lineup such as Jeff Adler from Yardy Matrix, Matt Faircloth, author of the book called Raising Private Capital, Building Your Real Estate Empire Using Other People's Money, and Scott Trench, CEO, President of Bigger Pockets. You can check out the rest of the lineup at www.bec20.com. That is BEC with the number 20.com. 
All right, let's dive right into my conversation with Roni Elias. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Lab podcast. I have Roni Elias here with us today. It's an honor to have you here with us, Roni. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, and uh, very excited uh, to to do this with you today. Now, Roni, I understand that you do a lot of giving back, and one of the programs that you give money to is the Hand Along the Nile. What's your connection with them? Uh, sure. Hands Along the Nile, it, it's, a, it's a great organization. They predominantly uh, help a lot of refugees, extreme people who are living, I mean, in very, very poor situations, uh, predominantly uh, in the Middle East and so forth. And, you know, the great thing about the organization, you know, they just help folks uh, of all backgrounds, all religions, and uh, that just unfortunately have, um, due to either socioeconomic reasons or, you know, the refugees or so forth, they're just in such dire straits, they need assistance. And not only, you know, do they get the, what you and I consider just, you know, just normal stuff, you know, food, water, and so forth, but they help try to train them in, you know, figuring out what is something you could do, how to get a job, you know, language skills and so forth. So it's a great organization and um, they do a lot of uh, great work overseas in, in really very poor, impoverished areas where, where these folks uh, definitely need a lot of assistance. And you mentioned the Middle East a, a few times. Are you from that region? Um, uh, the funny thing about it, I, I, I was born in Sudan, uh, but my family's uh, background is in Egypt. And, you know, I try to travel once a year or, or, or so forth. And, you know, just uh, when you go back and you kind of see some of the conditions folks are in, you can see it's truly dire conditions that people uh, are in. I mean, we would, you know, if we took, you know, whatever you want to consider uh, here to be the worst of conditions, uh, I think over there, it's much even worse than that. So uh, just trying to help those folks. And and it's not just trying to help with it. Hey, you know, here's some food, money, or, or whatever, is, you know, trying to take that uh, concept of, you know, what can we do to help truly make a difference in these folks' lives. And, and that's really, it's been through the programs they have of, you know, trying to teach people skills, um, you know, of how to make something they can sell, you know, or trying to get a job and so forth. So they can make a difference not only for themselves, but their families uh, and also trying to assist with educational purposes, because unfortunately a lot of people there, you know, probably, after fifth or sixth grade uh, in those areas, sometimes, you know, there is no schooling and so forth because they just have to go uh, work to help put food uh, on the table for the family. Man, that's, that's awesome. And you, so you were born from Sudan and your family roots from really from Egypt. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. So it, so. Was, uh, it, it was great, you know, moved around a lot as a child and then uh, finally came here to the States in uh, 89. In 89. Do you still remember the language at all? You know, as I always joke around, you know, the language that uh, we speak is Arabic. So, you know, how I usually say, yeah, I can speak Arabic, but it's kind of, um, 
the word we use is makassar, which just when you translate uh, to English, it's broken. So like, you know, um, it's not 100% great uh, Arabic, but at least, you know, hey, I can get to the toilet and, you know, we can (laughs) have a conversation and and joke around a bit um, uh, and so forth. So, uh, but yeah, I uh, I can somewhat, you know, get a full uh, conversation out with folks uh, uh, and so forth. And, you know, English has become extremely, as it has for many years, but uh, also, I mean, right now with um, all the international stuff happening in Egypt, uh, a lot of people speak English over there also. That's great, man. So, Roni, salam alaikum. <laughs> Shukran. <laughs> alaikum salam. <laughs> no, the reason I, I start with that is because you are a lawyer. So, I just want to show the audience that not all of the lawyers are sharks. They have hearts, too. And, um, you know, with the stuff that you do, it's truly, truly amazing. No, I mean, you always uh, have to uh, give back and make a difference. You know, we're, we're, we're very teamwork oriented. We're very much about making a difference with, you know, not only our work, but, you know, we also, you know, you have to uh, give back. You know, I think uh, if you were, you know, to follow some very, you know, whatever you want to call them, either smart very business successful folks. And if you try to kind of dissect, quote unquote, their DNA, you'll notice, you know, one thing that they consistently do is, you know, maybe you want to call it, you know, they reap what they sow and so forth, but they, there is a portion of them that always gives back or wants to help folks that, that need assistance. I, I think, um, you know, it's a very important point to try to be successful uh, in life and also, you know, just how we should all operate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We should always, like Robert Kiyosaki said, you always just have to give back because the moment you start giving back, you will get more reward from either the world or from people who, you know, you've been giving to, you know, the more you give, the more you will get back. Oh, definitely. And, you know, there's, I'm not the smartest person always uh, in the room, but, you know, it's it's truly teamwork. I mean, you've got to build, you know, a talented team around you and work with uh, folks um, who are committed and, you know, can kind of work hand in hand with you to kind of help carry the whole team to that next uh, level. And I think, you know, that can be translated easily into, hey, real estate or into, you know, hey, we're a manufacturing company and, you know, we we build cogs um, and, you know, h- how do we go from building, a, you know, a million cogs a year to, you know, 10 million cogs a year? I mean, you really need to have a talented team with you. Yeah, teamwork is a big thing. And, and just like anything in life, you cannot do anything by yourself and, and be a huge success you're you're limit by time you're limit by your energy manpower so having a team is is really great and with that i want to transition over to your company now with uh, town center partners you are a, an asset manager at this company and you have worked in litigation uh, for a long long time so can you tell me a little bit about your niche right now with um, sure. litigation financing 
Sure. What we try to do is, you know, the worst thing, uh, you know, probably to ever have to deal with is, you know, a lawsuit. And that could be, uh, I even think of it, even the person who's going to file the lawsuit, nine times out of 10, they really don't want to file it. They would like to see, hey, I didn't want to be in this situation, or let's see how can we resolve it, and so forth. So uh, what we do is we come in and we say, we're going to try, we're going to turn your lawsuit, which is an expense item, because, you know, every month you've got to write a check to your attorney, or if you're lucky enough, maybe you'll find an attorney who can take it on a contingency fee basis. And all that means is they're going to tell you, hey, if we win this case, I will get a percentage of the possible winnings. If we don't win the case, you owe me nothing and so forth. And in those situations, you know, there still might be, you know, you have to pay for some expert witnesses or you might just because you've been harmed from this other company or individual. uh, You still need, quote unquote, cash in the door. And that's kind of where we come in, you know trying to take our what we do as litigation finance and you know let's say you know in the in the wheelhouse of real estate some very um, prime examples that we've been involved in is the following let's say you know you're a syndicator or you're an apartment complex owner god forbid uh, one day one of your buildings burns down and let's say that building has 16 units in it and as you can imagine now the income of 16 units is gone call up you know ring ring to uh, hi uh mr or miss insurance company i've suffered the damage you know i am i'm a loyal client of yours i'm paying they come out and you know the contractor comes and says okay hey to rebuild those 16 units it's going to cost you know a million dollars just to use a round number Insurance company mm-hmm. says, ah, I, I don't think we agree with that number. You know, well, we think it's worth, you know, $600,000. So, uh, or we're only willing to pay 600000 So the person who is going to build it is telling you it's going to cost a million dollars. And yeah, of course, you know, hey, dealing with contractors, there's some fluff here and there. But, you know, there ain't 40% of fluff. So now you have two options. Insurance company only wants to pay you six hundred thousand, so you, there's a four hundred thousand dollar hole. You know, one you could just say, "Yeah, I'll take the six hundred thousand, and then you'll figure out how to make up the four hundred thousand. Or you tell the insurance company, "Listen, here's my cost. Here's what it is. You have a policy. You need to order honor the policy. And if they uh, tell you no, we're not going to, uh, you know." pay you more than 600000 unfortunately, the only other situation you're left in is you have to go and sue them. So you filed the lawsuit against this insurance company. In the meantime, the bank who has the mortgage every month tells you, hey, I know this happened. It's an unfortunate incident, but we still want our mortgage payment on the first of the month. So we come in and <clears throat> we help uh, fund your shortfalls. And then once you are successful, we would get repaid back. But 
if you are not successful in that lawsuit, no harm, no foul, we then took on that financial loss. So we step in and become your biggest cheerleader and give you that financial firepower to push your case forward. Uh, legally and ethically, we don't tell you, hey, you t- you tell Mr. or Miss Insurance Company we're not taking a penny more than a million. We don't exercise any control, decision-making on the lawsuit or anything like that. That's left up to you. It's your case, um, and that's left up to your attorney to decide how to move the case. So we're not exercising any control or decision-making. So people love it. You're still in the driver's seat. Someone has now given you that financial firepower to push your case forward and so forth. Because the unfortunate thing is the other side, which is 99.99%, always some type of Fortune 500 or, or extreme high net worth company or individual, their goal is to use time as an enemy for you because, the, you know, things in the court uh, court system don't move the fastest. They can drag things out. They can make your cost prohibitive. And by doing that, every month they know you're out there burning money, plus you've, you're losing money coming in the door that they can get some type of discount um, against you. And we think that is not the proper way to do things. So that's why we come in um, and you know, ch- uh, give folks that financial firepower to get them through this tough time so they can make then an informed decision. They're not kind of stressed or, or they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do another two or three months of bleeding money here, or they're robbing Paul to feed Peter. So um, that's kind of an example that has worked uh, really well in the real estate sector. Man, Roni, I have to tell you, the whole time you were describing that issue, I actually went through that exact same thing, but uh, at a much smaller scale. I only had an eight units to deal with and half of my building burned down. Oh, my God. And um, yeah, so I had to do the same thing, but I didn't know you exist. So I uh, did everything myself, uh, you know, um, having to fight with the insurance company and get every penny back. At the end, we we still did not recoup all the money that we needed to uh, fix up the building. So we still had to, um, luckily, it was just three of us partnering on the deal. So we each had to put in a little extra to, you know, cover that, that gap. But what you described there, I I have a few follow-up questions for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. So typically you, people say that no one care about your money more than you. So in your case, you're saying that, yeah, you fund the litigation, but the client is in control and the client's counsel has to make the decision together with your client. Why not take the driver's seat also and, and go through the litigation process yourself as a company? Because you are funding this, right? Correct. Because there there's a lot of legal and ethical rules. At the end of the day, we are a financial firm. So we are just, um, the best way to look at it, let's imagine me and you are at you know a football game together. Okay. And the team... That's uh, let's say, you know, there's the team on the left is 
you know, red, the team on the right is green. Uh, the green is the plaintiff. Uh, they're the one who was hurt. And the red is the insurance company. So we just give a check over to the green uh, team and they decide, hey, we're going to bring this type of player. We're going to do this type of actions and so forth. We then just sit on the sidelines and are the biggest cheerleaders for, you know, go green, go green. There's a lot of legal and ethical concepts that come into play uh, when you try to step into the shoes of the plaintiff and control the litigation, which causes problems for everyone. And another reason why we don't, first off, we can't do it legally, and there's a lot of ethics issues, but another reason why, even if for some reason we could, we would not want to do it, it's our core principle. You suffered a damage, and by you I mean the plaintiff, and it's your case. You decide what you think is a fair, reasonable offer and you know, take it forward from there with the guidance of counsel. You know, uh, this is a, a very talented attorney you have on your case. Uh, they have done very well before. Take their guidance uh, and, you know, make a decision of, you know, hey, do you take X? Or if you don't want to take X, no problem. The courthouse was built for a reason. And it was built to, you know, a, a jury of your peers will decide was this defendant acting uh, badly uh, or not? You know, that's what courthouses were built for. They were built for to deal with cases. So uh, come up and go forward. Um, it has been our experience when we step in and help folks with that financial firepower. They're able now to make a better informed decision. The other side then starts to see, oh, these folks don't look stressed. You know, they're not wanting to, you know, take, you know, 50 or 70 cents on the dollar. And uh, then they really start to make some serious offers, which again, it's up to the plaintiff to take it or, you know, hey, we're going to trial and, uh, you know, we're going to see what the jury decides from there. So in your case, when you are funding um, the plaintiff, What's the smallest case size that you will do, and what's the uh, kind of the upper limit that you you will do? Sure, uh, I would say it's kind of you know the the range is massive. So we we focus anywhere from five thousand dollars to a million dollars. That's quote unquote our sandbox, and that's where we have done extremely well. You know we 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 have a we have a lot of colleagues in the space. So what we'll do is if someone calls us up and says, hey. I've got to sue Fortune 500 company. Uh, I need, you know, $30 million. Well, already in my head, I've got one or two colleagues. I already know. I'll tell them, okay, listen, I don't, I don't want you to give me any privileged information, but try, you know, paint me the from 30,000 feet what happened. And they'll say, da, da, da. I was like, listen, all right, I'm going to go ahead and get you in contact with today, John Doe, at XYZ company. And um, at least I've got you in contact with someone specifically at this much larger funder, you know, go talk to them. Good luck. Hope, uh, hope it works out. And again, that's a, you know, 
if we can't take care of you for whatever reason, it doesn't fit with us or, or, you know, it's too big or whatever, we'll try to connect you with someone else. And then, you know, we wish you all the best and hopefully uh, it works out. And that's kind of, you know, again, why we've had good relationships, you know, with, with other funders, you know, some folks send stuff to us because, Hey, it's too small. And we send stuff to them because, you know, it's, it's too big. Everyone kind of uh, plays in their sandbox and what they're good at. Okay. So besides the funding amount, what other things do you look at a case to assess uh, what you will take on and what you will not take on? Sure. We'll look at, you know, the facts. We'll look at, okay, where is this case being filed? Because there are some states we just don't fund in. Like I'll give you an example. We, uh, we don't fund in Maryland. We don't fund in Illinois and so forth. So um, we're going to do kind of a very uh, deep dive into the matter, uh, into the facts to kind of, you know, understand, hey, what got us, you know, today we are in 2019 at the end of 2019. Sometimes some of the lawsuits that we jump into they can be going on for three or four years. So we have to quickly digest, you know, uh, sometimes and there's, you know, stuff that even happened right before the lawsuit that caused the lawsuit. So we have to digest years of data to understand, you know, what got us to where we are today. And then, you know, we do uh, our own internal write-up of the matter saying, okay, hey, you're, the contract called for X, the, the law says Y, and, you know, here are the fact patterns that led us up to it. At the end of the day, you know, here is how the court has ruled previously on some cases, and, you know, here's where there's possibly some difficulties in the matter. And we review that all internally, and we quickly make a decision uh, to say, yes, we want to move forward on, on the case, or no, we don't. And, you know, here are the terms um, that we're willing to move forward on, dollar amount, uh, repayment structure, and so forth. At the end of the day, these are not loans, because, you know, a loan uh, puts a requirement on payment. These are just um, how we classify them and how everyone usually else does it. They're non-recourse advances. So, you know, let's say uh, John Doe moved in that lawsuit against the insurance company and God forbid, you know, he lost the lawsuit and we had funded him $100,000. No harm, no foul. We took that $100,000 loss. You don't owe us anything and so forth. So we're truly, you know, if you think about it, we've come in, believed in your matter, giving you that financial strength to move forward and believe so strong in your matter that, hey, we could get zero. And, you know, we're, we didn't become a partner in in your business or or whatever. We, we just kind of believed in, in your case and wanted to push it forward. And we felt that, you know, it, it would be you should win and uh, it makes economic sense uh, for all the parties involved. Can you talk about your repayment structure? Um, how does that look like? Sure. I can't, because every case is so different. I can't tell you, hey, uh, 
uh, so forth, but I can try to give you a, a little bit of information. How we usually work is we're going to fund you XYZ dollars. Could be anywhere from okay. 5000 to a million dollars. All right. What happens is every six months, the repayment is increasing. So, you know, let's say if we funded someone in December, uh, you know, let's just say sometime in June, um, is you know that would be the first initial amount due now nothing is due until the case settles or you win or whatever so what all what we do is it's uh, is all right hey two years from today or you know six months from today we refer back to the contract and, and we look at the time period and if you're within these six months you owe that amount now if the case does not uh, settle, uh, you lose. It you know we don't even need to look at the contract. It's a, it's a very simple number zero, and um, you know uh, that's it. Um, we of course always tell people you know litigation finance is not something that is cheap. I mean this is not like hey you're going out to the bank and you're going to get a loan for five or six percent. You know, this is very expensive money. And the reason why it's very expensive is because, you know, lawsuits are, you know, first off, no one really wants to put money and say, okay, now let's, you know, we're we're fighting against each other and, and so forth. And two, you might have a great case, but doesn't mean, you know, the court or the jury or whoever agrees with you. You know, again, you know, a jury of your peers doesn't always mean, you know, things are going to go your way. So there is very high risk, you know, things can still go south. And that's why, you know, we always kind of caution people. But at the end of the day, I think if you if you look at the industry as a whole, it has boomed. I mean, it's now a multi-billion dollar uh, industry, litigation, finance, and it has helped people who otherwise might not have been able to move their case forward or they understand, listen, right now I have a hundred percent of zero. And why do I say that? Because at some point they're going to run out of money or they can't push this case forward or maybe even from day one, they really can't push the case forward and they can say, okay, well maybe, you know, by the time I have to pay the litigation funder, okay, I gave up, 20 or 30%. So I got 70%, you know, of a hundred while I was maybe in the beginning, you know, a hundred percent of zero. So I think once people kind of sit down and, and see where things are, it truly, uh, they usually make the, uh, of course they talk with their attorney and their accountant and, and then, you know, whatever decision they choose, it's theirs. But I think people, have continued to make the decision. Yeah, litigation funding is something that truly works. So, Roni, tell tell me this. It sounds it sounds like the structure is very similar to if someone had a strong case and they went to a law firm with contingency instead of going to your firm like Town Center Partners. What's the benefit of going with a litigation funding firm as opposed to a lawyer who has contingency? Um, uh, well, 
uh, you know, it, it really comes down to, okay, w- what's going on with your business and also how um, is that set up with the lawyer? Because sometimes some law firms will tell you, okay, yeah, we'll do contingency, um, but it's upon you to cover the costs of experts or it's upon you to cover, you know, some type of XYZ cost. Um, so that's where we might come in. Or they'll tell you, yeah, sure, we'll cover everything. You know, we'll, we're going to do 33% plus you have to reimburse us for, for costs. But the problem then starts to happen is that defendant has damaged you. And, you know, every month that goes by, you're, maybe you're, you're bleeding. Like, for example, like that building, um, it, it burnt down, you know. 16 units and let's say you know a thousand dollars a unit that was sixteen thousand dollars coming in revenue uh a month and you know every month that goes by you're losing money so um you're going to start to deplete cash reserves um or you know something's going to start to happen where maybe you need to uh, like in your situation where you know hey we have to do a a capital call everyone has to put money in well what happens if you know you can't really put money in so that's where we come in and kind of keep the business afloat or, you know, cover some type of expenses for the case so it can continue to go forward. That's great. That's great. Now, I just want to remind everyone, if you are in a situation where you need to get litigation funding, make sure, make sure you go to Roni's website and that is yourtcp.com as www.yourtcp.com. Now, Roni, I just want to go back to what you said earlier. Um, for instance, you says you don't fund in Maryland and Illinois. What's the reason behind that? Sure. A very simple reason why we don't do that. Uh, Maryland and Illinois have treated litigation funding like bank loans. So one, we would have to become, you know, pretty much organized like a bank. Um, and, you know, there again, a lot of bad things can happen to us and, uh, and the case uh, because we're not organized as a bank and so forth. So we just took it uh, and says, okay, as much as we want to help folks in that state, uh, the state legislation has made the decision to do X, Y, Z. So unfortunately, uh, we can't uh, be involved in, in those states. And and that's uh, really the reason why, because uh, we just don't. The goal is, the end of the day is this, this capital infusion is supposed to kind of move the case forward and move everything forward. We don't want the litigation funding to be a problem or it creates, um, again, you know, like we talked about teamwork, we are a team with our, you know, with the client who's the plaintiff and the plaintiff law firm. We don't want to create situations where we start to become antagonistic towards each other or so forth. So that's why just for those reasons, uh, we stay away from, you know, Maryland, Illinois as examples. Are there other states? that have laws like that? Yeah, Colorado is one. Uh, Mississippi is another. There's a couple. That's why kind of when you go to our website, if you if you scroll to the bottom, there's a couple states. Uh, Vermont is another. 
uh, that have taken this legislation. And, you know, we're not going to comment, hey, that, that, that the, it's on the books. It's been decided. You know, there's nothing further to talk about it. But, you know, for those reasons, that's why we kind of uh, shy, uh, shy away from those uh, matters in those states. And just to clarify question then, when you sure. talk about those states, are you talking about the company that was formed in those states or the property located in those states? Um, it could be it could be either or. It could be like, let's say, for example, uh, John Doe LLC is a Maryland LLC. So we're not going to be able to, uh, to fund it. Or let's say, you know, uh, John Doe owned that uh, apartment complex in his own name and they're a resident of Maryland. I, you know, their, their driver's license is Maryland and, you know, they pay Maryland taxes and so forth. So because John Doe is a um, resident of Maryland, we unfortunately are not going to be able uh, to, f- uh, to fund him. And then usually, you know, a lot of people follow kind of the, the states that we don't fund in. So it's, again, you know, every uh, everyone understands these rules and kind of, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to get caught up uh, having to deal with, you know, the legislature and, and the courts in, in that state because, you know, they've already made the decision, hey, you've got to be set up as a bank and you have to follow bank rules. And, and, and you know, we're not a bank and, you know, these are not loans. So that's why uh, the best way is to say, okay, hey, we're not operating uh, in that state. Does it matter if, let's say in a, in a case of a syndication and you have LPs from from Maryland, does it matter or no? Uh, no, because at the end of the day, it is the entity that is, let's say that entity was, um, let's say you owned a large uh, apartment complex in Florida, since, you know, Florida's very hot and everyone loves the sunshine state. So you own 300 units and let's say uh, John Doe LLC is a Florida LLC, but it's got some investors from Maryland. Uh, those mm-hmm. are the LPs, but the LLC that was hurt and the property owner is a Florida LLC mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. And, you know, that is, that is the entity that is bringing a lawsuit more than likely in Florida against, you know, whatever insurance company. So that would be not a problem to fund uh, and so forth. It's just because of those other states, uh, we have to be very cognizant uh, of the rules because um, there, uh, and what's happened is some people did fund there and then, you know, the courts came down extremely hard uh, on those funders. Got it. Got it. I understood now. So, you know, before someone come to your company and to yourself to ask if you could fund their case, what are some of the things that the operators can do to present a strong case to your team so that you could fund their their trial or their case? Sure. Um, one, what we like to do is it's very simple. Sometimes we'll say, hey, why don't you just uh, either, you know, you have two options. You could go to our website and fill out a funding uh, request right there, or you can call us up and set up a time to speak with us. And then we'll kind of, you know, go through our points. You know, we understand folks are, you know, sometimes people are stressed and, you know, there's a lot of things they've got to deal with when we, when they're dealing with a lawsuit. 
the first thing that you know we would want to know is okay have you filed your lawsuit who's your attorney who's the parties and give us kind of a 30,000 uh viewpoint uh from there if all that let's say for argument's sake all of that has happened we'll say okay the next thing what we're going to do is we're going to execute something called an NDA so we can try to uh, all the conversations we have with you is protected and you don't have to worry that, you know, hey, we're going to do something with this information and the other side can't try to pierce this uh, d- uh, discussions and so forth. And then from there, uh, the next step would, would more than likely happen is we'll say, OK, we're going to go ahead and set up a call with your attorney. Would you mind just kind of reaching out to them and saying, hey, it's OK to talk to us? We probably do one or two phone calls with the attorney. And then from there, we'll reach back out to the plaintiff and say, okay, we've made a decision. Yes, we want to get involved in the case or no, we don't. And then from there, there's probably some more documents we start to request. And then we make the offer of the terms and so forth. Um, The usual, you know, if it's a small matter, we can sometimes turn it around in a day. But if you're talking, you know, a substantial matter, usually what we tell people from start to finish, it's a two-week process. And, you know, uh, the only way that process gets pushed out uh, longer, it's just because we're requesting documents and we're not getting it. Or sometimes, you know, the attorney's in trial because, you know, uh, they're a good attorney. They got other things going on. So we kind of have to just wait till they finish the existing trial they're in and then we can have conversations from there but usually it's a very uh team oriented um type of process i mean uh you, everyone kind of you know is working to a goal to to make the funding happen so it can kind of push the case to the next level so everyone kind of you know accommodates uh, everyone's schedule i mean we've done calls at you know seven or eight o'clock at night you know on the weekends whatever we can do to try to help accommodate the process uh we do that so uh, we can try and move things forward. Okay. So your company typically deal with uh, the plaintiff, and you said 99% of the time you, uh, your defendant is either a big insurance company or some big Fortune 500 companies. Can you share with us what are the common uh, common myths about fighting these big enterprises? Uh, I wouldn't say there's... I'm almost going to flip it. I wouldn't say there's myth, but I would say, you know, there's some things we have consistently seen as the same tactics that they have done. And those tactics are, you know, to use time as a, as an enemy for the plaintiff. I think that is what we have consistently seen. And sometimes what we've seen also is, you know, this action might have, uh, depending, you know, when is the year end, uh, books of the company, like let's say if the company runs books from August to July, it will just happen that you know this bad act happens in June or July, and then it turns out to be well, the reason why the plaintiff was damaged or in that time was it made you know either you know that division or it made the PL look better because someone was wanting to make sure that, you know, they get their bonus uh, or stuff like that. So we've kind of seen those type of things happen a lot uh, just because someone comes up with, you know, the bright idea. Let's take advantage of the, 
of this XYZ plaintiff. And, you know, hey, we've uh, look, the num we, 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 you know, we hit our numbers or exceeded our numbers and, you know, everyone's going to get their bonuses uh, uh, and so forth. And I would say the last thing is at the end of the day, you know, these big companies, they're just people, you know, yes, you are, you know, international conglomerate, publicly traded, blah, blah, blah. There are people that work there. And the, you know, unfortunate thing is, you know, people can sometimes do things that are not the right thing or the ethical or, or you know, or the, the business prudent uh, approach to doing things. So that's why, you know, unfortunately, these type of situations happen and so forth. So, you know, I, I always kind of joke, you know, if you kind of remember the the old days of when, you know, a doctor kind of had that little black bag and, you know, they kind of open it up and, you know, they can pull out their stethoscope or so forth. I kind of tell people, hey, we're like that little black bag. You know, you pull us out if you need, you know, a scalpel, you know, we're a fine precision tool. Or if you need to pull out, you know, a sledgehammer, then, you know, take us out and use us as a sledgehammer because, you know, hey, we want to start, you know, video deposing all of these people. And, you know, hey, it's very expensive to do video depositions. And then you might have to fly, you know, uh, if you're, you know, your lawyers in XYZ state, but, you know, there's people all over the country that fly. There's, you know, that starts to become serious money. But, um, you might not be able to get people on a videotape saying, oh, yeah, it was a, you know, we we did this action because, you know, John told me to do it. And uh, he said, if we didn't do this action, no one was going to get their bonuses. I mean, and then once you get that on a videotape, I mean, that's uh, that's very uh, damning for the other side. So that's the, the great thing about us. You know, we're we're just a tool. We leave it up to the plaintiff and their lawyer to decide how to use this tool to move the case forward. So when you fund someone, it sounds like you're giving a carte blanche to the attorney of that side to determine what to do to win the case, almost. Well, for, it's, the attorney does whatever he thinks is right. We're not, the best way to look at it. He's the cap. He or she is the captain of the ship. They right. decide. You know, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to. Uh, we're we're not making any decisions um, on what's being done. We're just kind of you know uh, every 90 to 120 days we will follow up and say, okay, listen, give us a case status uh, of what's going on. You know what's. Uh, What's happened so far? What's the next, you know, when's the next, uh, if there's a mediation, when's the next court dates and uh, and getting some documents and so forth. Uh, so we can kind of get a very detailed case update of what's happening. But other than that, absolutely, the, the plaintiff and the plaintiff law, uh, law firm are in full control and and they're driving the ship, not us. So at no point do you want to jump in and say, hey, I don't think this is going at the right direction. Maybe you want to look at something else. Um, we have to be very careful about that. You know, that's not not our not our place. If they say, uh, you know, if, if we're asked for, you know, some type of, you know, hey, what have you 
you know, what are you seeing going on out there? We'll, we'll kind of share some information that's not, you know, nothing privileged or anything, but so forth. But again, that's some of the due diligence that we've done up front. We've looked at this lawyer or, or this law firm and said, okay, yeah, this is someone that has a solid track record or they understand the issues of the case very well and they know what what's uh, going on. Because that's, at the end of the day, the lawyer, he or she is carrying that case. So, I mean, they've got to be able to eloquently explain the issues, you know, cut through the BS, cut through the other sides, trying to uh, maneuver or mess the picture up. So it's, yeah, there was a reason why we only wanted to offer them 600,000. Their contractor was ridiculous. He was, you know, whatever. Um, You know, there is no, the other side never says how, yeah, you got us. We were, we were trying to pull a fast one. Uh, our bad. Um, they're always going to have defenses and arguments to, to, to make. So how the plaintiff law, lawyer or law firm can kind of cut through those arguments and, you know, present it in a very, sometimes, you know, we, we love the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, mm-hmm. trying to present it. This is, this is a very simple matter, Your Honor. Hey, we had a policy. We were good. To, uh, you know, they told us pay ten thousand dollars every month for for this expensive insurance policy. We did that for multiple years. The policy says we have up to X Y Z dollars. We were well below it. The contractor, who you know is not my brother, came out and told me it's a million dollars to uh, to do it. Other than that. I don't know what's uh, what I can tell you. It's a million dollars to do it. You know, they just want to pay six hundred thousand. You know, they need to honor the policy and the terms of their own policy, and, and pay us a million dollars. So, we found great success when sometimes folks can take you know, take no matter what type of subject or or so forth, and, and keep it kind of very simple and very controlled uh so folks don't get caught up inside issues in the case which is usually what we try you see the other side does it tries to confuse the court or talk about you know 10 other different issues that have nothing to do with you know hey we're here for an insurance check payment uh it it can't be any simpler than that and i just want to follow up with um what you said there earlier about privilege. So when when someone become a client, do they have attorney-client privilege with your firm or you're just simple financiers and you don't have any privilege at all? We're not a law firm. So we, we don't practice law. We don't, uh, you know, we don't run and do anything. But what happens is because our communications become attorney work product uh, or fall under that attorney work product doctrine, they're protected because this has to do with litigation. You're already in a lawsuit. We're communicating with your lawyer and so forth. So it falls all under something called the attorney work product uh, doctrine. So uh, it's protected. And there's been some cases out there where the 
where the other side will say, okay, hey, are you working with a litigation funder? You might say yes. And then, you know, the other side will immediately say, well, we want all of your communication with that funder. And the courts have ruled, no, they don't need to uh, turn that information over. It's protected. And, you know, that really doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, you know, my cousin Vinny is funding them or, you know, Joe Schmo from New York is funding them. You know, we're focused here on the facts uh, and so forth. So uh, there's been a lot of great case law that has come out to protect the communication and so forth. That's great. Awesome, Roni. Thank you so much for your time today, sharing a mountain of knowledge with us. Now, before I let you go, just have one last question for you. Sure thing. What's your goal for 2020? I think goal for 2020 is um, uh, grow and expand and, you know, give back also on a massive level. Um, you know, I think, you know, hey, we're, we have a short time on this earth. You know, we're, it's not infinite. So I think, you know, 2020 is going to be a massive year of growth for us. I don't want to steal, you know, Grant Cardone's 10x line. You know, I don't know if it would be, you know, a 10x multiple, but we think it's going to be a multiple of growth and then use that not only as a multiple of growth for us as a company and a team, but also as a multiple of growth to give back so we can truly kind of, you know, make a difference in as many lives as possible with our work. Awesome, Roni. Thank you very much. Shukran. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get a hold of Roni and his company, make sure you go check out www.yourtcp.com or you can email him at roni at yourtcp.com. Once again, thank you for your time, Roni. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And again, it was a true pleasure. And uh, thanks so much for your time. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.